Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Today we've got a crazy revenge story against a driver who hit somebody's niece. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, why I exposed my high school teacher. The day Miss Emily walked into class in my high school, I took her for an angel. Her curly brunette hair sits calmly on her oval-shaped face. She was bubbly, she was exceptional, but she was never meant to be my teacher. I didn't realize that there is what is called teacher-student compatibility until I experienced Miss Emily. I was stubborn and she was unyielding. It was all games until someone got hurt. At that point, I barely forgave anything or anyone, so I didn't forgive Miss Emily when she hurt me. I couldn't. So, I dealt with her. You can call me the type of student that felt like the world revolved around her. It was easy for me to feel so, because why not? My great aunt established and nurtured this outstanding private school on the south side of Chicago. It was easy to rave about my school, because all and sundry sang its praises in high tones. It stood outstandingly like a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. The people in the community called the school a legacy. The school was the legacy that my great aunt established to continue the spread of black emancipation and development in the south side of Chicago. She was an outstanding black professor at the University of Chicago in her lifetime, so it was no wonder when she established the school to spur the black community not to give up on their dreams no matter what. I didn't meet my great aunt, but I was determined to ride on the wings of her impact and influence. It was easy to do that because I came from a long list of prominent people who had and has continued to take front sits in a major strata of society. For instance, my dad is a perfect example of handsome and successful. He's a black neurosurgeon who made it easy for people and colleagues to respect his skills and expertise. He had carried out major brain surgeries which were not only successful but applaudable considering the delicate states of the patients he operated on. With that kind of father, it was easy for me to be proud. And my mom? You can rate her as the stunning high-class lady who directs chains of businesses around Chicago. She moved with high-profile people, and she attended exotic dinners. I took after my mom in looks. Her blonde hair is silky and full, dropping down to her shoulders. When she walks, she counts her steps carefully and strutting with an obvious air of pride half the time. I can't say she's pompous, but I know she has this aura of importance around her. And what more can I ask of a mother who drops me off at school every day? So it happened that I got to school very early on a Tuesday, totally oblivious that I was in for a bad day. Maybe I deserve the bad day too. How could I have missed the research assignment Miss Emily gave in her last class? I knew I was in for it but there was no escape. She had been stern in the past about failing to turn in her assignments, and I knew I was always at her receiving end. I can't say why, but I knew there was something about her that didn't resonate with me and vice versa, and it got worse that I'm closely affiliated with the founder of the school. She didn't like that I got preferential treatment or that people try to be in my good books, because why not? And I didn't like that she didn't like what she met. I was the queen bee, and I played my role well. And then the queen bee didn't do her research assignment. I had promised to tread carefully, 
I was not going to be entrapped in any snare. At that point, I didn't know what my fate was. Despite being a queen bee, I was fully aware of the fact that I wasn't above the dictates of the school policy. I knew the implications of my unplanned negligence. I hated that I would come off as irresponsible because I liked to be orderly and diligent. I was the type of girl that didn't like my enemies to have a stain on me. I can't say I was diplomatic, but I knew I was unpredictable and I wanted to remain just so. I was the unpredictable one, but I had to respect Miss Emily's tact and unpredictability. She had everyone turn in their assignments one after the other, but at my turn she acted flabbergasted when she discovered mine was undone. The surprise she feigned wasn't the type I expected, and to top it off, she was incredibly calm about it all. I didn't like that she was calm, just like I didn't like how she didn't call me to her table to ask why I didn't turn in my research. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. I couldn't place it. After that incident, the term ended without the mention of the research assignment I didn't do. There was no reason to meet Miss Emily since she didn't call me to herself, and I didn't bother with the research anymore. I had other issues. For instance, my best friend Charlotte was experiencing a difficult breakup from a relationship she ought not have gotten into in the first place. It was a very difficult period for her and I had to play the good girlfriend. So if I didn't remember to check in on Miss Emily when my best friend had some awful thoughts, it wasn't my fault. The saying which says, keep your friends close and your enemies closer, is true and applied to me. I ought have kept Miss Emily closer regardless of whatever it was I was going through. But there was no way I could have kept my enemy closer because I didn't even think I had an enemy. I could have been proud but I was a good person. And being a good person didn't mean I had to like everyone and everything around me. I didn't hate Miss Emily, but I didn't fancy her, and my feelings didn't just happen by chance. She had lots of shortcomings she refused to work on just because she felt she was an A-list teacher who attended an Ivy League college. She was intelligent, but very proud of it. She was approachable, but she made it very difficult to access her table. To be honest, I didn't understand why the management of the school left her at ease despite the complaints from the student populace. All for what? For a first-class degree graduate from an Ivy League college, I guess. I couldn't watch on while my great aunt's legacy was being dragged in the mud. There was no way I could allow that to happen as the queen bee that I was. So, as expected, I got on her nerves terribly. There was a day I influenced my classmates to boycott the science practical she organized for the class, Not because it wasn't beneficial to us, but because she got one of us unfairly suspended from the school. The student would have to retake the school year, all of that due to an unfounded report. As if that was not enough, Miss Emily denied having verbally assaulted a student in the junior year. She had an overwhelming record of negativity levied against her. Despite all the things I didn't agree with that had to do with her, I had to keep my cool until I could no longer do so. Well, I wasn't going to give up on my quest to put her in her place once and for all, and I knew I had to do that in 12th grade. Then something happened in 12th grade. I had not expected Miss Emily to checkmate me thoroughly the way she did. In fact, I wasn't expecting her to checkmate me at all. I had hoped to be the class president in 12th grade. I knew I was willing and able, and I had what it takes to serve in such a capacity judiciously. When the time came, I didn't hesitate to vie for the position. I had to vie because the position was not automatic. Interested students had indicated interest and hoped for the best during the elections. 
The position was very competitive because of the power it confers on the carrier. I purchased the form just like every other candidate had done. At the point of purchase, I was very confident that I could even win unopposed. In as much as it's a family school, I had equally garnered a good reputation for myself. I wasn't the queen bee who loved to flaunt power and oppress people. Instead, I was that girl who had the interests of people at heart. I was easy to warm up to, and I easily warmed up to people too. I had hoped that I would pull the crowd no matter what, but what I didn't know was that Miss Emily had other plans for me. I thought that I was no longer part of her problem. Well, obviously I didn't think it through. On that cold morning, I thought the pressure from the atmosphere was just enough for the day. I didn't know the pressure that was yet to come from the electoral body that was going to make my knees weak and my limbs wobbly. Should I have expected it? No. I didn't even feel like I deserved to be disqualified from the contest just because Miss Emily ruled out several reasons why I wasn't fit to be a student leader. I couldn't believe the word unfit would be used to describe me. Aside from the research assignment I didn't turn in several weeks before the elections, Miss Emily spelled out several other things she found incriminating about me, and truly they were incriminating. But why would she bring all those things up then? And what was happening to the school's policy? No one talked about how invalid her allegations were. She kept all those things to herself just to use them against me when she deemed fit. I didn't deserve that. I didn't say anything. There was no need to and I wasn't going to hold back anymore either. I knew for the umpteenth time that Miss Emily won't be staying long in this school, but I needed to devise a means to oust her once and for all. First, my parents had to find out that my great aunt's legacy was crumbling right in front of them. When I got home, I relayed everything to my parents and they were beyond dazed to hear all that I'd been through and even kept to myself. Well, the plot twist was in the way my parents told me to handle it because they were confident in my plans. I expected them to just put a call through to the principal of the school, Mrs. Wellington, to give her firm orders regarding the situation. Then again, I remember that Miss Emily was related to Mrs. Wellington, and everything began to make sense to me. I knew something was wrong, and I needed to act fast to salvage the situation. The elections came, and I didn't emerge as the class president. I didn't look defeated, and that must have been disturbing to Miss Emily. I was glad I learned the act of staying still in the face of anger. It wasn't easy, but it was rewarding. While I racked my head in that state of frenzy, Everybody thought I'd moved on. Well, kudos to me for playing out my script well. I had hinted to my best friend about my plans, and she was ready to give her full support. Together, we would deliver my aunt's legacy from rot. Miss Emily had a knack for verbal bullying. A lot of times, she had verbally abused one student or another, but would always blatantly deny it when confronted. Who would have thought that the very thing she denied was going to be the end of her? The day it happened, it was just another episode of a toxic adult verbally abusing a minor. It was serious, but she had succeeded to make it look less serious. I had prepared very well for such a scenario, so I wasn't caught unawares when it eventually happened. It was what I tagged, preparation met opportunity. I didn't spare any chance to get a detailed recording of the brutal words she said to the poor girl who cowered in fear and shame. After informing the student involved, we made a resolve to not include Mrs. Wellington for fear of having everything swept under the carpet. We couldn't risk it. We got the school district involved, and thereafter, the Department of Education. 
We didn't expect the swift action that was taken after the report. Everybody was on board now. Our parents, the school board, and of course, Miss Emily. The shock on her face can't be documented. She didn't expect two minors to send such a major shiver down her spine. And it was bad that all the agencies were not lenient with such allegations. They were determined to get to the root of it. The education board was stunned at the revelation of such recklessness from a person who ought to protect the wards kept in her care. Well, at the end of it all, we couldn't take legal action because the offense wasn't criminal, but one major thing happened. Miss Emily didn't only lose her job at the school, she lost her teaching license. She would no longer be able to teach in the district, province, and the entire state at large. She was labeled dangerous and capable of sabotaging the self-esteem of the students in her care. Just when I thought justice had been served, another bombshell happened. After Miss Emily was relieved of her duties in the school, the entire school board was thoroughly scrutinized. The principal, Mrs. Wellington, was dislodged, but she didn't go alone. Everyone who had watched on while evil practices prevailed in the school was equally ousted out. I wanted to leave my name in the hearts of men. I started with Miss Emily and everybody who watched on while she was a thorn in our flesh. When I got home, I immersed myself in the tub while I grabbed a glass of wine. The wine dated back to the late 90s when my great aunt was younger and agile. I wondered if what I had done was truly enough to protect her legacy. I was told she adored me when she was alive, and in that instance, I felt a cold breeze in the tub. I knew she was around just so I could know she was proud of me. Honestly, I just find it weird that Opie and a friend had to go like behind the back and go through like avenues themselves to get this done when I'm sure most kids in that class would vouch that she was being abusive or a terrible teacher. I guess the problem started and ended with the principal not caring because they have a very clear bias. That said, our next story is the crazy driver who hit my niece. It was a bright and sunny afternoon in the small town of Millfield. The week before, I had promised my not-so-little niece Sarah a special hangout in her favorite outdoor park. She was bright, bubbly, and an energetic 10-year-old who lit up any room she appears in. I was intrigued by her zest as she ran around and climbed on the playground equipment. I felt very proud to be her aunt. Suddenly, I heard a loud screech and looked up to see a car speeding toward us. I made a swift move by running out of the way and dragging my niece furiously, but unfortunately, it One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It was too late. The car closed in on her, hitting her fragile body with full force on the hard ground. Suddenly, there was a loud silence. 
I looked around me, but I couldn't find my Sarah. She flew several feet in the air before hitting the ground with a sickening thud. It was a horrific moment. For some seconds, I stood afar, shivering and trying to process what had happened. What was meant to be a harmless outdoor outing turned out to be a revenge mission. It was so bad that the driver was reckless, drunk, and was still missing from the accident scene. That, for me, was the last straw. After a while, I found myself pushing through a large crowd to get to my niece while my heart pounded very fast. She was lying there, motionless and bleeding, and I felt I was going to pass out. I couldn't believe that my niece, who had been smiling and leaping with happiness by my side a few minutes ago, was lying lifeless, oblivious of what was happening. Fortunately, some good Samaritans called for help. They called 911 and the paramedics arrived within minutes to rush Sarah to the hospital. As we rode in the ambulance to the hospital, I held Sarah's hand and prayed that she would be okay. I couldn't believe what was happening. It felt like I was in a nightmare, but unfortunately, it was all too real. At the hospital, the doctors rushed Sarah into the surgical ward. I paced the waiting room, my mind racing with worry and guilt. I kept thinking that I should have done something to protect her, that I should have been more vigilant. I felt like the worst aunt in the world. Sarah's parents were devastated when they heard the news. They rushed to the hospital and found her lying unconscious in the emergency room, her body covered in bruises and cuts. The doctor said that she had suffered multiple fractures and internal injuries and her condition was critical. Hours passed. And finally, the doctors came out to give us an update. Sarah had made it through the surgery, but she was in a critical condition. They weren't sure if she would make it, and I felt like my heart had been ripped out of my chest. She remained in the intensive care unit for several days. Even though Sarah was alive, I was already dead with fear. I got to know from one of the good Samaritans at the park, Mr. Smith, who had accompanied us to the hospital, that the reckless driver fled the scene after the unfortunate incident. He was a crazy hit-and-run driver. Mr. Smith also informed me that the local police department had launched an investigation, but they were yet to identify the driver responsible for the accident at that time. I became furious. I couldn't imagine that my niece would be left without any justice while the driver would continue to roam free without paying for his actions. The next few days were a blur of waiting and praying. Sarah was hooked up to all kinds of machines, and we were told that the next 24 hours were critical. I couldn't sleep or eat. I just sat by her bed and prayed desperately for a miracle. To top it off, Sarah had slipped into a coma, throwing us into a state of deep worry and fear. What made these periods most traumatic and awful was how Sarah's birthday was a few weeks away. We almost threw in the towel, but the doctors assured us that she would make a full recovery. During this period, I couldn't stop thinking about the reckless driver who had put us in that terrible condition, and I swore to bring this driver to justice. As Sarah's birthday approached, we feared that she would remain in a coma. Despite the pain, the family decided that they just couldn't let Sarah's birthday pass by without any celebration. They decided to throw a party in her hospital room, decorated with balloons, streamers, and a big cake with seven candles. Even in her state of oblivion, her family made sure to sing a happy birthday song to her and took turns blowing out the candles on her behalf. And the family shared memories of their birthdays and the happy moments they had shared years before. Then Sarah's father got a call from the police department. The driver had been identified but hadn't been apprehended. 
The police investigation revealed that the driver of the car was a young man who had a history of reckless driving and DUI. He was drunk and still drove the car at high speed. He lost control of the car when he rammed into the park to hit my precious Sarah. Our hope was revived and I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. The police officers assured us that the driver would be apprehended soon enough. Four days after Sarah's birthday, she began to show signs of waking up by moving her toes and fingers. So when her eyes flickered open, she reached out to touch her mother's hand. It was a moment of pure joy and relief. We jumped up in ecstasy, jubilating and praising God for answered prayers. As days went by, we were happy that Sarah was recovering and responding to treatment. But on the other hand, Sarah's family were beside themselves with worry and anger. They wanted justice for Sarah and were determined to make the hit-and-run driver pay for what he had done. And all efforts to do that proved abortive. Then one day, there was a silver lining. I was deep in thought in the hospital's reception room when Dave, Sarah's older brother, came to sit by my side. He had a long face that made me perceive that something was wrong with him. "'Sup, buddy, are you alright?' I asked, showing concern. "'I've been noticing something strange about Dave after Sarah's birthday celebration.' We all knew Dave to be a bright and happy young man with a love for life and an infectious smile, but he suddenly withdrew into his shell. To be honest, I wasn't surprised. My sister had groomed a closely knitted family and I was very proud of how Dave was protective of Sarah being the first child himself. Even though he was a young teenager and a high schooler, he possessed a fatherly instinct. Dave looked into my face and I could see fear in his dark blue eyes. After much persuasion from me on why he had been gloomy, he finally decided to spill the beans. I stared into his eyes, waiting for him to tell me all that was on his mind. When he said, I found him, I felt a strange surge of anxiety and fear. David narrated how he felt so bad about his sister's predicament and how he couldn't fold his arms, while the person who had caused his family so much pain roamed freely on the streets of Ohio. He opened up that he had began an undercover investigation of the accident himself, scouring the town for any clues that might lead him to the driver. Then he found a lead. He discovered that the hit-and-run driver was a delivery guy, and I couldn't be more alarmed at how a delivery guy would be reckless and heartless. I was startled. I thought of how David could track down this man when the cops hadn't given us any positive response, unknown to us that the police had a lead already. When David said, I found out that this man had given some money to the policemen involved in Sarah's case to keep their mouth shut. This is the reason they've been coming up with excuses for not arresting the man yet. They would keep doing this until we give up and the case would be swept under the carpet. I became restless. I wasn't too flabbergasted at the behavioral response of the police. After all, Sarah and her family were black. So it must have felt right and easier to protect the white guy at the detriment of Sarah who lay down hoping for a miracle. Then Dave's next action made my jaw drop. Dave was overwhelmed by youthful exuberance and he did something very rash and unnecessary. David revealed to me that after he found out about the driver's identity and followed him to a shopping mall, he illegally gained access to his car and drove it off to a lone place. Once he got to the lone place, he took a sledgehammer out of his bag and began to smash the car's windows and headlights. He pounded on the car's doors and hood until they were dented and scratched beyond repair. He was filled with anger and so much frustration. 
Even while he narrated everything to me, he shook with emotions that were difficult to describe. Even though I didn't support his actions, I was seriously and silently proud of him. I couldn't help but feel David's pain, and it was horrible to think that I brought all of that on Dave and his family. Although Dave was brave, he was equally scared. He wondered what would happen by the time the police discovers what he had done. Sarah was in pain, putting her family in a horrible state, and now her brother, innocently seeking justice, would probably be placed behind the bars for fighting for his sister. This wouldn't have happened if a driver had taken caution or owned up to his crimes. It wouldn't have happened if the cop had done their job dutifully and diligently, and if they hadn't agreed to sweep the case under the carpet and keep it quiet because a black family was involved. I was outraged by the corruption and injustice that had taken place. I decided to take matters into my own hands, but in a legitimate way. I began investigating the hit-and-run driver. I spent hours digging through police reports, securing access to security footage, and gathering information from eyewitnesses, including people who lived in the area where the accident occurred. After days of investigation, I was able to find a witness who had seen the driver leave the scene of the accident. The witness gave me a description of the car and the license plate number. I discovered security camera footage that captured the car leaving the scene of the accident and found a lead that the driver had a distinctive tattoo on his left wrist. I took the tattoo discovery seriously. It was a sign that we were very close to justice. I went to the most populous tattoo parlor in the area and showed the artist a photo of the tattoo. Even though the artist was reluctant, he gave me the lead I needed to the carrier of such tattoo. It was a man named Jack, just as David had informed me. I did some more digging and found out Jack was a delivery driver for a local restaurant, just like David said. I knew that this was my chance to catch the culprit along with those disloyal policemen collecting tips from him. One evening, I ordered food from the restaurant and requested that Jack be the one to deliver it. When he arrived at my doorstep, I invited him in for a drink. As we sat in the living room, I pretended to enjoy the small talk we had in my sexy tight-fitted gown that I knew had a good effect on Jack. I asked him about his job, his hobbies, and his family. Eventually, I brought up the accident that had happened to my niece. Jack pretended to be at a loss, but his emotions betrayed him and it was easy to see through him. When I didn't back down, he opened up completely eventually. He broke down and confessed to hitting Sarah with his car. I recorded every single detail he gave. I was able to gather enough evidence to prove that the driver was indeed guilty of the hit-and-run accident, and that the policemen involved in the case had accepted bribes to cover up the case. With this evidence, I reported the corrupt policemen to the authorities. Having a shred of good evidence, Jack was arrested and charged to court to dance to the music of his crime, as well as the policemen who were unprofessional and heartless. The court heard the testimony of witnesses, including mine and Sarah's account of the accident. I was so glad that the evidence was overwhelming against Jack. It was shocking to realize that Jack wasn't a first-time offender. In the end, the jury found Jack guilty of all charges, and he was sentenced to several years in prison. Sarah's family was relieved to see justice served. The trial was a long and emotional process for me and Sarah's family, but we were grateful that justice was served eventually, and Sarah was recuperating as hoped. Sarah underwent numerous surgeries to fix her broken bones and internal injuries, 
She was in constant pain and had to undergo extensive physiotherapy to regain her strength and mobility. Even though Sarah was young and fragile, she remained positive and determined to recover. Sarah will always be a special kid. She worked tirelessly with her physiotherapist, pushing herself to reach her goals and get back to the life she lived before the accident. With each passing day, Sarah grew stronger and stronger. She was finally able to walk again, ride her bike, and even run around with her friends. It was a long and challenging journey, but she had proven herself to be a fighter. We all hung out again, but never to an outdoor park. David and I started a campaign to raise awareness about hit-and-run accidents and the devastating effects they have on families. I began by reading countless news articles and spoke to families who had been affected by these tragedies. The more I learned, the more passionate I became about making a difference. I reached out to my friends and family, asking them to share their stories and support my campaign. I also created a social media page to spread the word and share information about hit-and-run accidents. I shared Sarah's story with the world, and it touched the hearts of many. I worked with local lawmakers to push for stricter penalties for hit-and-run drivers, and I couldn't be more glad at the positive responses I got. The day Sarah was hit, I didn't expect that any of us would be that stretched. More so, I didn't expect that purpose would be birthed by a seemingly gloomy situation. Truly, there was a silver lining in every cloud. As far as nuclear revenge stories go, this was through and through one of the craziest roller coasters of emotions. This is just a great story that, because it happened, you have to share. I mean, everything worked out so beautifully in the end, you would be doing an injustice not sharing this story. It's a great story of perseverance and dedication. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 